my belief and what I believe every single day that everyone should think about themselves as an entrepreneur. Everyone should go out and network every single day, make as many contacts as possible, try to turn those contacts into relationships. And the way to do that is to help others. Welcome to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Connors. NetworkWise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development, and career opportunities. In Conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintain, and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. You won't need to get out of bed to make yourself a cup of coffee for today's guest, but my guest would disagree with my statement and tell you to get out of bed. Wayne Kimmel is a keynote speaker, entrepreneur, sports enthusiast, networking extraordinaire, and philanthropist to boot. He also just so happens to be the author of the book, Six Degrees of Wayne Kimmel and the managing partner of 76 Capital. When he isn't publicly speaking, he's making dreams come true. 76 Capital is based on making people's ideas come to life and enabling them to be million-dollar ideas. In fact, we have 76 Capital to thank for Seamless Web, or what today we know as Grubhub. There were a lot of ingredients that went into this soup. Wayne is clearly bright, but it's the softer skills and determination that, in my humble opinion, put Wayne on the map. He's a people person with a high EQ that has made a living, a damn good one, I might add, thanks to building solid relationships and always giving. In today's energetic conversation, we talk about the secret of connecting with high net worth individuals, the transition from law school to venture capital, the importance of having a good team, and finally, the number one networking mistake that you could make. Put your headphones on and listen to Kimmel's words of wisdom because they'll truly take you places in the networking world. His connection with co-president of Microsoft can prove it. Enjoy my conversation with Wayne Kimmel. So you get back from CES. Talk to me about that. Well, CES is phenomenal. I mean, it's like seeing the future when you're there. What's so cool is at 76 Capital, we actually have companies that are creating the future. So when it comes from a sports betting perspective, we did a whole shoulder conference right during CES where we spent half the day talking about the future of sports betting. And we had two different panels. The first panel was with guys who were kind of like the old school guys, you know, the guys who've been for the last 40 years running all sports betting in Las Vegas and across Nevada. Old and so you had these stories. School. Oh, it was phenomenal. The guy's names, just love it. The first names, Vinny, Jimmy, Joey. I mean, like, are you <laughs> kidding me? It was phenomenal. Along with our own Brent Musburger, who is one of the founders of our portfolio company, VSIN, and VSIN is looking to become the CNBC of the sports betting industry. So we hosted this event with VSIN, along with Arizona State University and their Global Sport Institute, which is run by Ken Shropshire. Ken is the guy who literally wrote the book almost 30 years ago on the sports business world, how to be involved as an executive in the sports world. So it was amazing. And then on top of all this, you go over to CES, you go to the convention center, there's 100,000 plus people there with all the latest inventions, everything from foldable TV screens. I mean, you couldn't believe what we <laughs> saw. 
But then we also had our company, the company's called Nourish. Uh, their first restaurant that they're bringing out is called B-Box. And it's a fully robotic coffee shop. Everything that would happen inside of a Starbucks, every kind of beverage. Like a pop-up coffee shop? Like an actual coffee shop, but run 100% by robots. And just yesterday, on January 16th, in at the University of California at Berkeley, our first B-Box opened and our first customer came through. We have a picture with him uh -huh. and he went in and got his drink along with a pastry. So the whole experience is technological? So there's no human? There's no human interaction at all. The only human, you as a customer, you go on, on our B-Box app, you order your drink and your food, and then the robot behind the glass makes everything for you and then delivers it out and hands it to you. Pretty cool. Maybe it'd probably be a good time to explain who you are <laughs> and what you do. Go for it, Wayne. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. My name is Wayne Kimmel, uh, managing partner at 76 Capital. We're a sports tech venture capital fund, and we are all about investing in and working with smart and nice people who want to change the world. Awesome. And it sounds like you've got one coming out of the box. Any others in particular that have done something of significance? been very fortunate. I've been in this business for over 20 years now. And I think back to some of the great entrepreneurs and people that we got a chance to work with who created incredible companies. So we think about companies like Seamless Web. Yes, it used to be called Seamless Web with a web at the end. Now it's just known as Seamless or as many people know it as Grubhub and it's public today and it's a several billion dollar company. We were the first investors in that company and pretty awesome, <laughs> yeah. pretty awesome. And Jason and Paul, I mean, the two of them were these young, aggressive, incredibly smart entrepreneurs who had this idea of allowing people to order food online seven years before the iPhone even came out. That's a New York based company, right? That's correct. It was started in New York, and I believe Grubhub now may be based in Chicago at this point. And these guys were like true bootstrappers from what I remember the story, right? Didn't they like they worked out of a deli, or what's the story behind them? Yeah, the story actually, and I talk about it in my book, Six Degrees of Wayne Kimmel. I talk about the story of how Jason and Paul were lawyers, and they were at very large law firms, and they would work late. And if you work late at a law firm or investment bank, you get a certain amount of money to order dinner at the end of the day because they want you to stay there all hours of the night and continue to work. So it makes sense to give you some money to go have dinner. But the problem was is that if you weren't a partner, which these guys were just associates, they didn't give you a corporate card. You had to use your own money or you had to use your own credit cards to pay for the food and then try to get that money reimbursed through the system. And many times the system took a long time to get reimbursed. So they came up with this idea of allowing people to just to order food online very simply and not having to use your personal credit cards. And it went from being a great thing for lawyers and accountants and bankers and just for use in the corporate world. But as we all now know, it's out there and you can order anything at any time, anywhere. Who, who doesn't? I challenge any user who hasn't used this before. But I got to tell you something, like it was great and I love it and I loved it and it paid for a lot of diapers for my kids over the years. So I appreciate everyone and all the orders that they made. <laughs> awesome. If you don't mind, walk me through how that investment came to fruition with you. 
As all of our investments at 76 Capital and all the things that we do, we try to be very proactive and try to be out there with the different entrepreneurial communities in any setting everywhere around the world. We really want to be welcoming and open to ideas and opportunities because you just never know where they're going to come from. This one specifically was Seamless really came from, it was a friend of a friend. And both of those guys happened to be not only just classmates of mine from the University of Maryland, but they were both fraternity brothers. And Jason Finger, who was one of the guys who started Seamless, I hadn't seen him for about 10 years. And another one of my fraternity brothers, his name is Stephen Krein, who's now the CEO of Startup Health, which we're also an investor in, he says to me, you got to talk to Jason about what he's doing. And then when I heard what they were going to go do, and what was really fascinating, I talk about this in my book as well. We brought one of the presidents of Aramark to the meeting. So how did you know this person from Aramark? Well, this is great. It all comes back to networking. It comes back to trying to help people and going back to the core of what not only 76 Capital, but also what I believe. And as we've talked about, my belief and what I believe every single day that everyone should think about themselves as an entrepreneur. Everyone should go out and network every single day, make as many contacts as possible, try to turn those contacts into relationships. And the way to do that is to help others. And in general, just try to make this world a better place. And so I met this through a series of people over the years. I had met this guy's name was Richard Wyckoff. Not only was he a successful executive, has gone on and been a successful executive in many other companies since Aramark. But at that time, he was the president of the refreshments division at Aramark. And it was the perfect guy yeah, yeah. that I said, you know what? If this actually makes sense, which I think it does, but I'm just a venture capitalist. And I always tell people, I'm just a venture capitalist. We know a lot of things. We know a little bit about a lot of different things. We're not experts. We're not the gospel. If we don't invest in your company, it doesn't mean it's not a good company. Or if we invest in your company, it means that we think it's a good thing, but it, we hope that it's a good thing, right? So I always try to bring experts and people that are part of our network around to try to vet these things out, to kick the tires, to ask the hard questions, to ask us, to try to help us when we make these investment decisions. And in this case, Richard sat down and he said to me, after hearing their pitch and the two guys left and Jason and Paul left the room and I was sitting there with my former partner, Ian Berg, who has unfortunately since passed. Ian and I said to Richard, what do you think? And he said, if this actually works, what they say they're going to do, Aramark should buy this company someday. <laughs> well, about seven and a half years later, Aramark bought the company. <laughs> How about them apples? Wow. That's an awesome story. And I think that also speaks to the kinds of, again, the power of proximity and building relationships and getting access to people like him. How important is that to you? Look, relationships, helping people, it's what it's all about. No matter what business you're in, it's all about developing relationships, helping others, because you just never know what's going to happen in life. Like my whole life, I went through school, went to law school. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to work with my dad. That was the whole plan. Take over his law firm, be a litigator. That was my whole life's plan. And I believe that was what was going to happen. And now here I am as a venture capitalist. I couldn't even spell venture capitalist when I was in college. I didn't even know what there was such a thing as a venture capitalist. Who would have ever imagined that there'd be a show on TV like Shark Tank? 
it's crazy. I mean, a show about people investing in people's businesses is like going to be an interesting thing. And now it's one of the top shows ever, right? Yeah. So when did the switch go off? Like when did you transition from the mindset of I'm going to be a lawyer to a venture capitalist? Well, what happened was I graduated from law school and it was the mid nineties. And all of a sudden, some of my close friends and other people, I started seeing and reading about these young people with these ideas these people called entrepreneurs, which was some French word. I didn't even take French, so I didn't even know what that meant either. Yeah. And so there I am, like seeing this in front of my own eyes where young people are explaining to the top level CEOs, listen, this internet thing is going to be something. The internet will change the world. And I'm sitting in a law office going, wait a second, am I going to practice law and just use the internet or am I going to be going to get in? And so I just took the leap and jumped into this world of entrepreneurship and started being around entrepreneurs, started being around people that were starting businesses. And I would start going to these events and I would see crowds of people around certain individuals. And I would always be like, why are they all standing around that person? Like, who is that person? People would say to me, he's an angel investor. Oh, that one over there, that person's a venture capitalist. I'm like, what? What is that? And someone then once said to me, those are the people that help make our dreams come true. They didn't say to me, they're the ones who give us the money. They said, they're the ones who help us make our dreams come true. That's like, wait a second. That's a way to really truly impact the world and make this world a better place. I'm all about this. Now, what I didn't know was how to become a venture capitalist. So at 29 years old, I went out and I said I was going to start my first venture capital fund, and I had to somehow find money. That's that, the hardest thing ever. I want to hear about that. So you have to have money to be a venture capitalist. You can't just say I'm a venture capitalist and then say someone says, okay, you want to invest in your company. They say, well, how much can you invest? And you say, you got to have an answer, right? So as a 29-year-old guy, I went out and networked my way to raising my first $20 million venture capital fund. You came out and raised 20 million, no experience. That's gotta be a good networking story. I'm sorry to keep plugging you, but I need to hear that. Did you have a thesis? Like what was your strategy? Did someone within your network help you to pull that strategy together? I wanna go granular on this. Yeah, fabulous question. And it's one of the reasons why, and it was really part of the impetus for me to write my book. And when I talk about in Six Degrees of Wayne Kimmel, what it's all about is it's all about networking. How did I get there, right? So there was a lawyer in Philadelphia. Unfortunately, he's since passed as well. His name is Steve Goodman. And he was in a very large law firm called Morgan Lewis. Morgan Lewis is today probably one of the biggest or the biggest law firm in the world. I was introduced to Steve through my father-in-law, who was a lawyer as well. A lot of lawyers in my family. (laughs) And Steve said to me one day, he said, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. You got to go out there and you got to meet a lot of people. He didn't say network. He says, you got to meet a lot of people because that'll really help you in your business. Well, what he said to me since then and after that was like, I didn't mean for you to go out and meet everybody. (laughs) I literally took his advice, go out there and meet people. So, but you had to have a strategy, right? And I didn't know how to do it, but I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know what to do once I walked into the room that there was a networking room. But I also wanted to go to places where maybe I could network where other people weren't going. So I started thinking about where do people go who have money that could potentially invest in my venture capital fund? Because I need to put food on the plate for myself, my wife, we were about to have our first child. So I started to notice there were certain places that the important people in the tech business, in the business world, in the corporate world would go every single morning without fail. 
they would go to hotels and restaurants and have breakfast. And these breakfast meetings would go from 7.30 in the morning to about 9 o'clock in the morning. And so there were certain places and there were certain brands of hotels, the four and five star hotels. That's where executives in all the major cities all around the world would meet. So I would go to these places. I would get there at 7.15 in the morning and I would fill my right pocket with business cards. And my whole goal was to stand by the host stand and hand out business cards and say, hi, my name's Wayne Kimmel. Here's my card. Can I have one of your cards? And I would introduce myself to almost every person that would walk by the host stand. Now, some people were going there because they were on vacation and they were just having breakfast. And they're like, "Who? Are you? why are you bothering me? But others were there because they were there to do business. And then some of them would give me their, you know, I'd get their card and I'd say, this is great. Thanks for your card. And they're like, I got to go. I got to go have breakfast or what are you doing, buddy? I haven't even had my coffee yet. Who are you? You're attacking me. <laughs> but it was my whole I'm, life. I'm sure some of them had to appreciate the hustle. What was cool was when they started to see me over and over and over again at certain places. So in the Philadelphia area, it was the Conshohocken Marriott, the Radnor Hotel. Oh, so you'd start bumping into the same people. That's awesome. That's so, and then awesome. sometimes they would say like, so who are you having breakfast with today? And I would just make up a name. I'm like, I don't know, Andy, Mike, Mary, I just make up names. And plus the fact, here's the other thing. I couldn't even afford to have <laughs> breakfast at some of these places. I mean, think about it. You go to like the Four Seasons, Omelets cost like 18 bucks. And if you actually get something in it, it's probably like 23 bucks. So who can afford one of these omelets, which is also part of my thesis was and is even to this day, (laughs) if they can, they're the right kind of people that I want to actually try to do business with because maybe they can be the investors that invest with me. And if they truly believe that I know, and now at 76 Capital with my team, that we know what we're doing, then they'll feel very comfortable investing with us. And then we believe that we know what we're doing and we're doing the right thing. And we've done some pretty amazing things over the years here. That is one hell of a story. So I got to keep going on the story. I'm sorry, we're not done. So how long- I'll read my book back to you. How about yeah, that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? Actually, we will. We'll leave that for those who should get the book. It, it is on Audible. Um, okay. And oh. I did read it. Right. And, I, and I did- <laughs> Oh, it's your voice? You did it is your my vo- voice. It's oh, my cool. voice. I, I hate when people don't do their own book. Or their own voice, rather, in book. So I have another question because you've got great stories. I need to hear the story. Listen, to, you guys hear that? Wayne, can you tell them? Can you tell everybody what I just did? So that was the sound of the mints shaking around in my mint box, which are shaped. They have the same cover of my book on the mints. And it's one of the things that over the years as I give speeches about networking, about giving back and helping others, and I would do this for different crowds of kids and all across the country. And I was very fortunate to get invited to give these kind of hopefully uplifting speeches to try to really help people to go out there and just go make it happen, right? So I would give these speeches and I used to carry, and I tell a story about a, every one of my speeches, I bring a shoebox, a Nike shoebox, because back in the 90s, we didn't have Gmail with contacts. We didn't have CRM systems. My Rolodex, my place where I would keep my gold, where I would keep the most important things were other people's business cards that I collected. And I would keep them in a shoebox, in a sneaker box. So I bring the sneaker box out and I shake it, just like you did with the mints. But it would have like blow pops and Tootsie Rolls and Tootsie Pops and different types of candy. And I used to throw the candy out into the audience. But then after I wrote my book, I'm like, wait a second. Instead of throwing other people's candy out there, I'm going to throw my candy. 
So a friend of mine has a candy company and he makes these really cool boxes. And I called him up and I said, hey, Brett, can you make a box with my book on it? And within like an hour or so, he sent back this copy and it was like amazing. That's great. I got to tell you, it stands out. I mean, even as we were just talking about it before at the restaurant, like I was excited to see this and you beat me to it. I was going to be the first question I asked and we got in here. Sorry to keep going, keep going. No, it's great. And so now I throw the mint boxes out there. My daughter, who's a senior in high school, she and her friends, like they love them. Like I just keep giving them her boxes because- the candy's pretty good. And I think, and, and Chad Stender, who's our director of operations and investments here at 76 Capital, there's not a lot left because he just eats a box a day. <laughs> That's good when the quality's good to be, to, to boot. And then have people commented on these? I mean, have you bumped into other people? Have you ever seen the mints before? Like someone else carrying your mints? I have. I've seen people carry them. I've also, some people have put them on different social media channels. It's funny. I mean, there's been articles written about kind of some of the sayings that I have in my book and the fact that I think it's – my whole thing is I was fortunate enough through networking, through developing relationships with people to be successful in business. And my whole goal is to just give back and share some of the different secrets, some of the different tips, some of the different ideas of things that have helped me and try to help others be successful. What do you think most people do wrong when it comes to the quote unquote networking? The number one thing that people do wrong is that they don't network. (laughs) Good answer. That's a great way of putting it. (laughs) Give me some things that some of the most successful relationship builders you've seen do. I think one of the most important things is to try to figure out what you can do for somebody else and how you can use, whether it's your relationships, your knowledge, your expertise, your experience, whatever it is, to give something to someone else. And it's one of those things I talk about. We were talking about the book Living with a Seal earlier with Jesse Itzler's book, and his wife is the founder of Spanx. And I always use her as an example. And I say, like, what if you had an opportunity to meet with her? She's a billionaire, okay? You have an opportunity to walk into her office and everyone walks into her office and has their hand out and says, gimme, 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 gimme some money, gimme some advice, gimme a job, whatever it is. What if you were able to go in and say, first say, how can I help you? First of all, that's the most important question, right? How can I help you? But you already know because you've done the research. You've read all the articles about her. You know that she is involved in a certain charity, let's just say, or her son or daughter, which are so cute. And you can watch, you, there's, she's such a great follow on Instagram. When you see her and her four kids and they're running around with Jesse and it's like this crazy fun family to watch. What if like you found out that there was something that you could do for her or for her family or for one of her kids or maybe give an internship to someone, no matter how much money someone else has. And you may not be a billionaire yet, but you can do something to help that person, even though they have way more money, way more power at this time. And that's the one thing that I really believe. Mm. When did that light switch go off for you? I was very lucky growing up. My mom and dad made it really instilled in myself, my two sisters and my brother, that it was always important to give back and help others. And recently... My father passed and it really hit home. My brother and I writing his obituary, speaking about him 
and realizing that a lot of the things that I wrote in my book and a lot of my lessons that I thought that I just learned or picked up over the years were things that were instilled upon me and my siblings from especially my dad. And I think that you know, I was very lucky to have that. And that's why I think it's so important to be able to give back today to people that maybe aren't as lucky as I was to hear those words, to always be told you can do it, go make it happen. There's no one better than you. Just keep working hard. You'll get there. And that's something that as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, you need these types of things. You need people to be behind you who have your back, who are telling you that you're great. That even at times when you know, it's like, I'm not doing that well, but you're yeah. going to do it. Like you could do it. You're going to get an A on this test. Okay, so you get a B. Next time you're going to get an A. You're going to make this shot. You're going to go out there and you're going to make this sale. If you have people that are helping you with your confidence, it's a big, big deal in life. And so my thing was, I wanted to be that because I was lucky enough to have that, how can I do that and help others succeed? and truly, truly have an impact on others and truly try to make this world a better place. Wow. We'll rejoin our conversation in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast as well as our other episodes, please support us using Patreon. Just visit patreon.com slash networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Thanks for listening. And now let's rejoin the show. Outside of your father, did you have a mentor or mentors? And do you have an opinion on being a mentor or having one? I really considered Steve Goodman from Morgan Lewis, the lawyer that I talked about earlier, as a mentor. I mean, that advice of just going out and meeting people and going to meet important people, he's like, that was phenomenal. That had an incredible impact on my career to date. It's something that, again, I on a daily basis, I try to meet people and yeah. it's important. So mentors are important. Walk me through, I mean, just the fear of going for the first time, or maybe it was the second time, or it was every day. Was there any apprehension, fear, I don't know what you want to call that, that you might have had going time after time, showing up at these breakfasts. You know what? Networking is hard. Networking is scary. You're meeting someone you've never met before. That's why like blind dates and all these kinds of things, this stuff is hard. It's not easy. So I had to figure out what can I do that will help me break the ice and I say the number one icebreaker, the secret weapon is a business card because all you need to say is, hi, my name is, and you fill in the blank of your name. So I say, hi, my name is Wayne Kimmel. Here's my card. Then you already know the next question is, can I have one of your cards? Or in some cases, you don't even get a chance to put that out there. So I tell this story, you know, it's a lot of the talks that I give of meeting Steve Ballmer, right? So Steve Ballmer, who at the time was the president and CEO of Microsoft, now He's the owner of the, yeah, the Los Angeles or Clippers, Clippers, Clippers yeah. pays $2 billion to buy a basketball team. I mean, wow. Like, so there was one of my companies needed to meet Steve Ballmer and we needed to get to the very high level at Microsoft. So again, it's all about preparation and strategy. So we had to figure out where Steve Ballmer was going to be. Now, being based in Philadelphia, I'm not in Redmond out there next to Microsoft in the state of Washington. I had to figure out time where I could see him. Well, I found out that he was speaking at a conference in New York City. He was the keynote speaker. He was going on around eight o'clock in the morning. 
So I said, perfect. There's my chance to go meet Steve Ballmer. Well, how am I going to go do that? Well, here's what I did. I got in my car at like five o'clock in the morning in Philadelphia. I drove up to New York. I remember it was a cold, rainy day. I parked my car. I took my raincoat and umbrella and I threw it off to the side in the lobby of the hotel. It was the Sheraton on the west side. Wait, what, what year is this? It's probably in oh five, oh six, okay, or seven, sorry, somewhere yeah. in that time period. And so there I am standing in the middle of the Sheraton, my right pocket filled with business cards and I'm ready to go. I'm ready. And it's 7.15 in the morning now. And I'm standing. I'm, I figure he's got to walk through the hotel because there was one entrance in. And I saw where the conference was going to be. And there he was. And so I had done my research on what I was going to say to him. I thought about how I was going to do this. But you also, the other thing with networking is if you know you're going to meet somebody, if you do your research and you find a common bond, whether it's someone that you know Maybe you went to the same college as that person, or you have a similar interest. You both like dogs or cats or sports or whatever it is, but you find that common interest. But I had this one great story that I ended up finding out from one of the CEOs of one of my other portfolio companies who actually knew Steve Ballmer. So there it is. I'm standing in the middle of the lobby, and in walks Steve Ballmer, the Steve Ballmer. He was wearing his signature red tie, but it hadn't been tied yet. It was draped around his neck. He had two bags, and there I was, standing in the middle of the lobby. And I walked up to him like with my business card and I said, Mr. Bomber, hi, I'm Wayne Kimmel. Here's my card. And I got so nervous that I couldn't, like, I, was, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's holding he his two bags. bags. <laughs> he drops one of his bags. He takes my card. I said, how Rosenbluth says hello. And he says, oh my God, how do you know how? And I said, he's the CEO of one of my portfolio companies. Like, oh my God, I hope he didn't tell you that story that time. And I, I'm like, yeah, he did. And we both started cracking up as if we were boys, like me and Steve Bomber, right? CEO of Microsoft. Incredible. And we go on, we talk about the story, we talk about all these things. And then at the very end of it, he says, you know, thanks for giving me your card. And this whole thing, this whole interaction was about a minute and 30 seconds, probably. We were laughing and he says, what can I do for you? I said, you know, I really need to speak to one of his top executives. He said, I'll have my assistant take care of that. She'll shoot you an email later. I got to go give this speech. He's like, I hope you enjoy my speech inside. Well, I wasn't going to that speech. The conference was like $2,000 to go to. I didn't have that kind of money to go do that at the time. So I got back in my car, drove back to Philly. I'm in my office back in Philadelphia. And by 11 o'clock that morning, I got an email from his assistant. I was able to connect the CEO of one of my companies to the person at Microsoft. And we got done what we needed to get done. Love that story on so many levels. So I'll tell you a couple of things that I like about that. And actually, before I go into that, I don't know if you have an opinion on this or if you've heard this, but not to walk directly up to someone if you met them for the first time because it can be seen as a threat versus kind of coming at them at a slight angle. Have you ever heard that before? It's like the psychology of interaction. I hadn't, but now I'm going to try it. Yeah. No, I don't want to give you a complex, but it just it's funny because when I had first learned that and I realized because I was always like right in your face and you're a big guy like me, you know, that can sometimes intimidate people. Anyhow, so <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I, I love that story on a lot of levels. And I'll tell you something that might have even put him at ease. Well, first you made a commonality. So that was great. We all know that's a great way. It's a stepping stone, a stepping point, a common interest to share. But sometimes when people are keynote speakers, and I don't know if you've experienced this or not, is even though they are the person in the room, they are the quote unquote man or woman, whoever that might be, there are apprehensive or they have some kind of butterflies. So if they know someone is there that's done their homework, that is interested or that does approach them ahead of time, it can take some of the edge off that they might have when they're going to speak. So I don't know if you've had people, I recommend to people when they're going to conferences or if there is going to be a keynote speaker, get the list of people ahead of time, find out who the keynote speaker is, send him or her a note and saying, Hey, 
Wayne, I know you're going to be speaking. I just want to let you know I'm excited. And if by chance before or after you've got a minute to talk, I'd love to bend your ear or if not at another time. Then they're looking, it's made them feel a little more comfortable, a little easier. Number one, they know at least one person's there that genuinely wants to see them. Number two, it's given them something else to think about. And now you've got a potential connection. Yeah, I think those are great points. I mean, again, it's all about finding a common ground. I mean, it's where I start my book and it's a negotiation. And we ended up just finding out that we had this commonality and that thing that the bond was the University of Maryland and Maryland basketball. Oh, man, the Terps. Yeah. <laughs> and what was supposed to be a knockdown, drag out kind of fight and negotiation turned into we were smiling. Our shoulders, or you know, we weren't so tense. It was like we were to chill and we were able to have a normal conversation instead of trying to knock the other guy out. I think one of the things that my dad used to always say to me is like when he would go into court and he would go against another lawyer. He knew who the athletes were because afterwards they would shake hands. Maybe they'd go out, have dinner, have a beer or something afterwards. So it's, that's something that athletes understand. You go out there and you fight as hard as you can, whether it's in football or baseball or basketball, whatever it is, and you try to do the best you can. You want to get that guy out. You want to tackle him. You want to knock him out. You want to dunk on him or whatever it is, right? But then once the game's over, you shake hands and it's back to life again. It's so funny you say that. So just literally Monday, Chris Carminucci is a very one of my best friends. He was a scout with the Diamondbacks, and he used to own independent baseball teams and all this kind of stuff. One of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. And he would just walk through just a scenario, just like what you're talking about. He goes, man, he goes, when they're a scout, he's like, I get there earlier. I see the other scout. He's like, I'm ready to almost fight him. But then the same thing is I should like match the sound clips because then afterwards and they just go out for beer. They do whatever it is. So that's so well said. Clearly relationships are important. You clearly have got a knack for that. You've clearly built up these amazing relationships and you've learned how to leverage them and all that kind of stuff. How important is the technical side of things, the technical knowledge? You know, because you're in venture and there's a lot of the venture space is technically driven. There's a lot of technology. There's just the technical pieces or the legal side of things. I mean, I, look, I tell oh, people yeah, all legal, the time. Right. Look, I think school is very important. I tell stories in my book about this one entrepreneur who I said, I'm not going on the board of your company until you graduate college. Because I, first of all, his parents would have killed me. Secondly, I think it's just important to get education. It's important to get the experience of being in school. I think school is really an important thing. But I also say like when you're going through that process, if you can go and get an advanced degree, whether that's an MBA, whether that's a legal degree, whether it's getting a medical, becoming a doctor, right? I mean, like if you know these things, I'm a lawyer, my brother, he went and got his JD MBA. I have others, guys who have worked with us here at 76 Capital who have JD MBAs. I think it's important because doing a business deal there's the technical side of like understanding the tech that we are investing in, but it's also the technical side of the legal documents. So pretty much every deal you do, no matter how much money you invest in a company, the legal documents are several inches thick. And if you just have the business side of things, and maybe you have an MBA or you did some business study in school, you're going to miss things maybe in section five, subsection four, three little eyes or something like there's all sorts of stuff in those documents, which, by the way, if nothing ever goes wrong with the company, you'll never find that section. But God forbid something goes wrong. 
you're right down to those three little eyes and you're like, oh, why is that in that document? That's not good for us. Or maybe it is good for you. You may find out that, oh my God, we were in trouble and that, thank God, my, oh, I had a great lawyer put that in there. But if you actually know what's in there, that's a big advantage. And it's something that I really believe in having the legal background and the law degree has been very helpful because it also helps you communicate with your, of course, you have outside counsel. Now I've been working with Steve Goodman's partner, Steve Cohen, since the 90s. I understand. You speak the same language. I'm, I'm, you know, he's way more technical than I am, but at least I know what he's working on. So how would you rank IQ versus EQ? We say at 76 Capital, we want to work with smart and nice people who want to change the world. So smart's very important, but smart, the IQ side, I think has to be pretty high, but the EQ probably has to be higher. You got to know what's going on. You got to be able to get a feel for things. You have to know when to continue to push or when you realize you're just pushing in the wrong direction, you should push to the left or the right or jump over the wall instead of, oh, we shouldn't talk about walls. But I mean, I, but, but I mean, but I mean you should, at some point, like you, yeah. you're trying to knock down a wall. It's like, dude, you can walk right around it. You know what I mean? Like walk around it. But when you're in the heat of battle and you're sometimes you miss those types of things. And then I think that's where experience and really sort of the feel, the softer side of things really comes in to help. So it's interesting you say that. I have a friend of mine who's a VC, and actually he used to be a VC, but one of the first things that he used to do, and this is before kind of networking, so to speak, was like a thing, before they had like these social sciences and the statistics and stuff behind that, he used to send, I can't remember if it was before he invested in a company or immediately thereafter or as a contingency, he made sure that anyone that he invested in, either he paid or they had to get some type of sales training. And it really, a lot of the sales training was just about, again, really it's relationships because being an entrepreneur, you can't just sit behind a computer. There's so many things that you need those relationship skills for, whether it's finding talent, hiring, selling your idea, knowing how to close. I have another, I actually was just reached out to on Friday from a friend of mine who's working with an incubator and the incubator asked him to find, that's why he engaged me, is to want to make sure that every single portfolio company has networking training for the same thing. How can they share ideas, come up with better ideas, all these kinds of things. So how important is that to you and how important is that for your portfolio companies and what do you do to enhance their social capital? I love that idea. I mean, and it's one of the things that we talk about social capital, and that's why we have at 76 Capital, not only my partner, Ryan Howard, who's a major league baseball legend and who has incredible access and relationships. We also have our athlete venture group, which has other athletes like DeMarco Murray and Ralph Sampson and Brian Westbrook, because we're able to sort of use that social capital to help, whether that's make sales, make introductions. I mean, these are the types of things that really matter maybe sometimes tip the table in our favor a little bit. I mean, those are kinds of things that are just, just really, just really important. So I think it's a really important thing for us. And I'll tell you, I'll give you just a huge compliment. I got to tell you, like, first of all, I love your business and you know, we oh, talked about you. your pin <laughs> and the logo. And I think that's great. And your idea of having lunch before having this conversation, that's a big thing that we do with our CEOs and our founders. We get together with them. I have one of my favorite stories is it's all about just spending time with them and seeing how they act to the waiter or waitress. And you want to see people out of their comfort zones. You want to see them out of their offices. You want to see people and see just exactly kind of like, what will they be like? Let's just say we order a burger and it comes out with cheese. How do you act towards the waitress or waiter? 
Are you nice to them? Because here's the thing. When we invest in a company, these are startup companies. We want to figure out, we're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Because here's the thing, as you know, companies just don't go from startup to the New York Stock Exchange and ring the bell <laughs> overnight. I think a lot of people think that startups just go public in a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at the numbers. I mean, it could take seven, eight, ten years for companies to get quote unquote mature enough to actually go public. It's fascinating to really see this. So this is a long-term relationship that we're going to have with these entrepreneurs. So we want to make sure that the right kinds of people, I want to make sure that that person we invest in, that when they call me at 11 o'clock at night for whatever it is, that I'm maybe running around all over the place, finally come home. My kids are probably asleep. Well, now there's, they stay up a little later now. <laughs> but, and then the phone rings and my wife, she's literally getting the first word out of her mouth, like saying hi. And then it's like, oh, I got to take this call. But like, it better be the right kind of person. Otherwise, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to want to take it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got another friend. He's an investor in private equity. And he, he's got a, I forget what he calls it, but it's essentially, it's go out and have a beer test. Like if he can't go out and have a beer, because to the same point that he sits and spends a lot of time with these people, if he can't, he's like, I don't care how good their idea is. Like time is the most valuable commodity in this planet. And I don't care how much money they're going to make me. They're going to be taking my time. I think that's great advice for other people to be thinking about some of the softer skills. I know that we've got to wrap this up, that you've got something else. I got something random, something that people like. I got lots of random questions. Just put your finger anywhere on here, and I'm going to ask you one of them. Okay, that made it easy. Let's see what we got here. Let's see. <laughs> what do we got here? What are we doing? Tell me about a missed opportunity that had to do with having access to someone else. Oh, tell me an opportunity that you were able to get by having access. So one of the really interesting companies that we're investor in today, the company is called Shot Tracker. And Shot Tracker is looking to become the technology that's on every basketball court all over the world. Just like Wi-Fi is to coffee shops, these guys want to be the technology on basketball courts. And I was very fortunate to have, it got an invitation to go to the Steph Curry and Andre Iguodala Players Technology Summit. It's a very small event that they had. That was two years ago. This year, it was Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And it's about 100 guys, mostly former athletes or current athletes in the room. Fortunately, because of my partner, Ryan Howard, we get an invite to this and we've now developed relationships with Andre and Steph and all of their people. And I was there the first year and this guy, Davion Ross, started talking and pitching his company, Shot Tracker. And he started telling about what he's going to do with this company, how it's going to become the technology that's going to be on all basketball courts. And we got the opportunity. So I went up to him right after he finished his talk, and he just seemed like such a great guy. And I said, you know what? I want to spend some more time with you, and I want to talk to you about investing in your company. And we're investors in that company now today with some really great investors, some institutional guys, along with David Stern and Magic Johnson. And it was all because we had the opportunity to be in that room. Wow. How important are those other partners in making in not only just this being a good business? So it's important getting back to having a good idea, then the good technology behind it. How important are the relationships and the partners and the investors to the success of that company? Look, having a team, it's all about team. It's one of the things that my partner, Ryan, has really taught us. He said, they won the World Series. The Phillies won the World Series in 2008 because of a team. 
And it's what we have here at 76 Capital with my partner, Ryan, my other partner, John Powell, our team with Chad Stender and Jessica David. We have a team and it's all about all of us working together. And that's also the same kind of theory and what we're all about when we make investments in companies. It's not just 76 Capital investing in a company and we're just going to make it work. It's 76 Capital and who else can we involve in the company and who else can invest with us? What types of board members should we have? What types of influencers should we have as part of this company to help this company be successful? So I'll give you a perfect example. We invested in a company called Nerd Street Gamers in the esports space. And the founder's amazing. His name's John Fazio. He's incredible. We invested in the company. And then almost immediately, we were able to introduce the company to Comcast. And now Comcast is a co-investor with us in this esports company. Game on. <laughs> So no having, <laughs> having Comcast as a partner in this business is such a big deal for us. And so we look at things differently. We come to the table with different skill sets, different resources, and we're able to help John and his team build out this amazing company in Nerd Street Gamers that they're doing today. Well, great answer. Time is of the essence. What have we missed that we should be plugging? Anything with your any of your businesses that you've got going on? Any charities? What are we missing? I want to make sure that we don't leave anything off the table. Well, I think the big thing and the big piece of advice that I would give to anyone and everyone that's listening and is that you can do it. Like you can go out there, get off the couch and go out there and go make it happen because you can. Because if you really truly want to and you put your mind to something, you can truly make it happen. Awesome. I love the motivation. Love the energy. Love the conversation. Thank you for making it happen today, Wayne. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Great awesome. time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for a career change, building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to NetworkWise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network. The ones who succeed will network wise. <laughs>